On today's episode of The Last Wire Podcast, we're joined with Victor Echo 7, Foxtrot Sierra Romeo. Welcome to the show, Miles. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Could you share a little bit about how you got involved with Amateur Radio and the name of the club that you currently belong to? Uh, I got involved in Amateur Radio. It's uh, a good question. I'm trying to think back how far now. I should probably know this as a ham, right? But it's probably 15 or 20 years ago. I uh, had no experience with ham radio. I just uh, decided one day that it it, uh, it seemed interesting. And I, I knew a couple of people that were hams. So I self-studied and and passed. And um, and one of the things I guess I've always been a fairly strong believer in is supporting um you know, amateur radio organizations. So right off the hop, I belonged, you know, I joined the local ham club and joined Radio Amateurs of Canada. And I've been a member of both since. And uh, currently I serve as president of the Kamloops Amateur Radio Club. And I'm also an active uh, public service line volunteer with Emergency Management BC here in British Columbia. In 2017, wildfires displaced thousands of British Columbians on the Canada's west coast, which burned more than 1.2 million hectares. More than 1,300 fires engulfed the province between April and November of that year. Many lost everything as communities were evacuated, often at a moment's notice. Miles, can you share with us the role that amateur radio played in helping these residents? Sure. I can. Um, I guess I'll just uh, give a bit of a caveat saying my experience was was limited to um, the Elephant Hill wildfire, which was um, just uh, west of where I live in Kamloops. And um, I I volunteer with what is with the Emergency Management BC, which is what is called the Central Provincial Regional Emergency Operations Center. We call it the PREOC. Um, Emergency Management BC has an, a number of those scattered throughout the provinces. They're kind of the central regional um, control point. And so um, we have one here in Kamloops. And uh, that summer, the Elephant Hill wildfire started uh, near Ashcroft, near the Ashcroft Indian Reserve. And not too long after the fire started, I got a call from uh, one of the the managers at um, EMBC here in Kamloops saying that they had lost all communication with uh, Ashcroft, uh, to some extent with Cache Creek and with the Ashcroft Indian Band, and that the Ashcroft Indian Band was under evacuation. And uh, could I come down to the pre-oc and see what uh, what we could do as amateur radio volunteers? So that was that was how things started, John. Now, this region of uh, British Columbia, it's very mountainous, I presume. What were some of the challenges that you faced as setting up this infrastructure to communicate with the different bands? Yeah, it's... Um... It's, I, I don't know, I guess, for folks across Canada, how I would say it's probably more hilly. I guess depends where you come from. I mean, if you're uh, if you're in Saskatchewan, yes, you probably would say they're mountains. But around here, it, you know, it's probably more hilly with, I would say, you know, the at least around Ashcroft, Cache Creek, um, Bonaparte Indian Band area, you know, your your mountaintops are in the, you know, probably three to 4,000 foot range, maybe the odd one a little higher. So kind of more rolly dry very dry hills lots of sagebrush um ponderosa pine and stuff so the um what had happened from the fire is when the fire burned uh northwards it took out the main fiber optic line um in that area so what happened was the um it was kind of a weird situation where um uh, within Ashcroft, the village of Ashcroft itself, you know, you could pick up your telephone and make a phone call. Um, you know, you could send an email to somebody within Ashcroft, but you weren't able to get out of, of the Ashcroft area. And um, 
and so similar, you know, Cache Creek had um, some service out, but, you know, not uh, south. So one of the things I was dispatched to do was, you know, the, the, the need at the time was the Ashcroft Indian Band had been evacuated um, from their homes and their band office uh, on reserve into the village of Ashcroft. And so they had wanted to set up a temporary emergency operations center so they could conduct their business and keep in touch with emergency management BC. So uh, myself and another volunteer were sent out to Ashcroft to see what we could do in terms of setting up some communications back um, to emergency management BC. And, you know, when we left, we all we really knew was that um, you know, there was no phone and no internet service from Ashcroft back to, you know, out. Um, so we had no idea when we left if we were going to be doing, you know, HF communication, trying to do VHF communication through local ham repeaters. Um, we really didn't know. And so uh, we, when we left, we actually didn't really take anything with us because um, the first trip was kind of, a, I guess, a, a reconnaissance trip to kind of see, you know, because uh, we didn't even know at the time where the emergency, oper you know, temporary emergency operations center was going to be. So um, we went out and uh, I must say it's really for listeners that haven't been through it through, a, you know, an, an active fire or where a fire has just burned through. It's a pretty wild experience. Um, uh, you know, it's it's very strange, you know, because there's, you know, you're so used to having people around and, and everyone's gone and it's just, you know, RCMP doing uh, control checkpoints on the highway. So we got out to um, Ashcroft, of course, where it was nor you know normal life, other than they were hunkered down and um, you know had no communication with the outside world. And we looked at where the temporary EOC was located, and um, quickly kind of came to the conclusion that um, you know after talking with the the EOC director and you know the chief and the band manager and stuff and what they needed to do, we we came to the conclusion pretty quickly that. Um, although we could probably do use our remote HF station and set up there and stuff, they they really needed um, you know access to the internet because so much of the communication between um, local governments and First Nations emergency operations centers and um, you know EMBC is is done these days through uh, you know telephone and email and data sharing and stuff and so. Um, because the the two of us that were sent out actually happened to have um, some microwave experience, we we were standing on the roof of the building with binoculars and we looked and we thought, hey, you know what? I'm pretty sure we could we could see the Telus um, mobility site outside of Cache Creek, and so uh, we we couldn't actually see it, but because there was a hill called Elephant Hill in the way, but we were pretty sure it was right on you know the right edge of the hill. So um, so we kind of formed our plan. We we left Ashcroft, went back to Kamloops to the to the pre-auk, and we we grabbed up a bunch of gear and we kind of brought everything. But our our key plan was to see if we couldn't do microwave communication between the temporary OC and and the Telus Mobility site. So um, that's that's what we ended up doing. We ended up so in in a sense, as I often tell people, um, it wasn't amateur radio, but it was still radio that that came to, you know, basically save the day in a sense. Instead, in this case, it was basically uh, uh, microwaves using an LTE connection. Um, and so we set up separate LTE connections for data and, and voice, and we were able to set up um, a complete network inside the temporary OC um, so that, you know, everybody that had a laptop had internet connection. There was a number of uh, voice over IP telephones and stuff there. And, and that's how, um, you know, how that one worked out in, in the wildfires in 2017. When you look at the communication network, was this something that the club had gear that they were able to utilize? Was it 
was there any planning in this that maybe we'd be utilizing the the radio communication network through LTE, or was it uh, something spontaneous that you guys on the fly said, "Hey, they need this. We can probably connect it." Uh, what planning went into setting this up? Um, well, at that time, the Kamloops Club, we did not have our um, – currently, the club actually has a high-elevation broadband network that is able to provide um, backup emergency communications for some communities in the area. At the time, in 2017, we had just started sort of thinking about that and and getting it deployed. So it didn't extend as far west as um, Cache Creek and Ashcroft. And so one of the things that – you know, as our work as communicators with EMBC, you know, we have – um, you know, we have access to a, a wide range of information about, you know, what infrastructure exists out there. So we were working very closely with, um, you know, TELUS and Rogers and Bell and stuff to see, you know, where their infrastructure was, um, you know, what was still operating, uh, you know, what was operating on battery, what was operating on generator. Um, and so we were able to work closely with the telcos to sort of, at that point, you know, we kind of figured out that, yes, we, you know, we had, we had, um, you know, VHF uh, communication that would, would work in terms of if that was what we, you know, that was kind of what we were, the only thing we had. Um, but by working with TELUS, we were able to figure out that we could, um, we could work with them to create an LTE connection using their network from, from uh, a site just above Cache Creek on Campbell Hill. Um, kind of bend it around the corner, you know, past Elephant Hill, which was, you know, in the way of line of sight communication and, and, um, and then set up some LTE radios on the, the roof of the temporary EOC and, and uh, we were able to get a, you know, a signal there and make that work. And so that's part of, I guess, um, and as I often say to people as an, as an amateur radio person, I'm, I'm more, you know, I'm a communicator and I, and I, I guess I call it everything from, uh, you know, you often hear the hams joke about, you know, we work from, you know, DC to light or whatever. And I think that's a really good way of saying, um, you know, the kind of the skills that you need to have as an effective communication person volunteering with an emergency organization is, you know, you need to know everything from, you know, hooking up a DC power supply to, you know, how do you tie into a, you know, fiber optic network? And, um, you know, maybe not everybody has that same skill set, but, um, you know, we have a variety of volunteers that, you know, we have some hams that are um, really IT wizards and they volunteer with us and they do um, IT type stuff. And um, it turns out the fellow, like I mentioned earlier, that had come up with me that day, um, you know, he's actually a satellite technician as well as a ham. So, um, you know, he had a tremendous amount of experience working with, um, you know, satellite communication and LTE communication. So he brought those skill sets to the table. Now, from a future perspective and future-proofing um, amateur radio clubs, how did this change what you guys put in your go kits? Uh, were you thinking long-term from an LTE perspective and setting up these these networks as being a priority or when I look at most go kits today, we see them as being a UHF radio, a simple antenna, an external power source. Has your group changed its vision on how it uh, deals with emergencies? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you say that because, you know, our, I, I actually found one um, in the basement of one of our uh, one of our club members, um, we were looking for something and, and I found this little kind of looked like a plastic toolbox and it turned out to be an older go kit from the club. And it had, you know, older ICOM two meter radio, a little tiny quarter wave mag mount. And, um, you know, and that was, you know, that was the go kit back in the day. And, and now our go kits include, um, you know, we have, uh, 
I guess, well, I guess for the average ham, what I would call expensive cellular uh, modems and, uh, you know, um, SIM cards. And, you know, we have tripods and masts and a variety of different type of LTE antennas and, um, you know, quad shield coax cable and stuff. And so, um, yeah, that's now part, you know, in, in, in addition to, you know, we still have the VHF and UHF radios and HF radios. And um, with EMBC um, here in British Columbia, we use a technology which is called MSAT, um, which uses a geostationary satellite, uh, I don't know, something like 25,000 miles from the surface. And um, and it's great. It's a Canadian invention. It's awesome. Um it's great for voice communication. You can make telephone calls with it, but it doesn't do um, data. But, you know, that's one of the things in our, you know, our go kit, because we found that, you know, as long as you have line of sight to the sky, um, you know, if everything else is kind of broken or doesn't work, uh, you know, you can use that. So, yes, we've definitely added, interestingly enough, um, you know, LTE stuff into our go kits. And, you know, and as I tell people, it's not amateur radio per se, but it's still radio. And, and a lot of the stuff that you need to know, you know, uh, for radio, it works, you know, like I say, you know, especially with microwave stuff, you know, it's line of sight. So, um, you know, yeah, it, it's, uh, but yeah, it's now part of our go kit. And I guess the other thing I'll add on top of that is, is coming out of the wildfires in 2017, sorry, is, is that, um, it really spurred on the development. Um, we we work closely with a group out of the Lower Mainland, um, and uh, you know called BC Warren, and they have a, in the Lower Mainland a very well developed and very effective amateur broadband network. And we started working with them um, around 2017, but really accelerated after that to start putting in um, what we call a you know a, an amateur radio run backup broadband network. So it it um, it uses microwave links, goes from mountaintop to mountaintop, and allows us to provide backup high-speed communication for you know for communities like Cache Creek and Ashcroft or Merritt, Logan Lake, those kind of places. Now, now, how does that you describe that system as being a, a high-speed broadband through microwave? Is that something through your towers, through your uh, repeater network, or? Uh, what what uh, mechanisms are you using to set that up? Uh, some of the listeners might um, might be familiar if they've read, uh, you know, they've read about, I believe, in the Pacific Northwest, they use a system called Hamworn, and um, some of my ham friends down in the Okanagan are are part of the Hamworn network. Um, it's you know, it's it's very similar in a sense. It's just slightly different technology, but um, complex. Uh, um, concept is similar we um we have a, the, the club here has a number of high elevation repeater sites where traditionally we've had vhf or uhf repeaters or both um we started back in you know around 2017 um linking we started with just linking two of our key sites um our backhaul so we have a microwave backhaul that goes into Kamloops here um and then that back you know that backhaul goes to one of the nearby mountaintop sites. And then from there, uh, we have a bunch of five gigahertz uh, radios and dishes that basically go from mountaintop to mountaintop. And that provides a, you know, a high-speed broadband network. Right now, um, you know, when there's no emergencies, the club basically uses it for um, uh, 
monitoring uh, our stuff. Um, our newest repeater is now done voice over IP using Allstar. So uh, that broadband network has facilitated that. You know, we have a voice over IP auto patch. Um, but one of the reasons for doing this was to be able to, during an emergency, you know, if, for for example, what happened in, in 2017, you know, if the fiber is burned up into Cache Creek or Ashcroft, like happened in 2017, um, our network is independent, at least at the local level, from the telcos, right? So um, we're able to take, um, you know, we use mostly ubiquity radios. We're able to take a ubiquity radio, stick it on a tripod at the EOC in Cache Creek, point it at the top of the hill, and, uh, you know, it's it's then connected to our broadband network, which then backhauls out of Kamloops. So um, we've been slowly building that out. We have plans to expand that through the Thompson-Nicola Regional District this summer. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it works. It's sort of twofold. It serves, um, purposes for the radio club, but we also have it there available for, um, local emergency operation centers or for EMBC should they need it. Very fascinating technology. And I, I think when you look at the future of amateur radio and emergency communications, it is more than just UHF, VHF, HF. It's certainly a whole lot more, uh, when we look at options that are out there and available and I think as amateur radio operators, we need to be familiar and aware of those options so that we can be very quick to to reevaluate re the need and then be able to adjust uh, and accommodate. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I, I know you and I talked about this before we started recording, but, um, you know, I think there, you know, for amateur radio operators, you really need a broad you know, broad skill set. And, 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 and I've seen it over the last decade where, you know, everything from, you know, two meter handhelds to, um, you know, working in the IT cupboard is, is kind of your range of skill sets, right? You know, you, uh, um, you know, we've had cases where we've had people called out to basically, you know, man road checkpoints, right? And they're using the local ham repeater. And, you know, when, when emergency personnel come through, you know, that's where they check in because there's no other you know, no other communication and, you know, HF, um, you know, we, uh, we at Emergency Manager BC have standardized on using the Windlink network. And that's, that's very important and a key part of um, the plan here. You know, in BC, we have, you know, we, we have mudslides and wildfires are kind of the, the small problems. And then we all prepare for, you know, the big earthquake on the coast. And, and so, you know, the Windlink network has become, you know, very important there. And so, again, I, I think there, there's a place for everyone. Like, you know, if you're a keen HF operator, there's a role for you in, in passing health and welfare traffic, right? If you're, a, if you're a ham radio operator that works in an IT department, you know, contact your local emergency organization because they can probably use your help. Because um, certainly when these emergencies get larger, um, you know, we, we run out of enough people in, in the government organizations that we're always happy to have other folks with those skill sets. Well, Miles, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you sharing the stories of the wildfire and how you overcome and adapted to these challenges. It, it's welcoming to hear that we're embracing new technologies and accommodating the needs of our citizens when they need us the most. Yeah, thanks, John. If there's just one last thing I'll just say to, you know, ham operators that are listening, which is, um, you know, one of the one of the key things I think that we bring to the table um, as communicators is our understanding of, you know, how things work is the, the ability to, to really provide sound advice to the decision makers in government, because 
Um, you know, as I mentioned, the, the example in 2017, you know, nobody really knew uh, what, you know, how to solve the problem. And it was that, you know, the hams that went out and assessed and came back and sat down with the actual decision makers and said, okay, here's our recommendations. This is how you can effectively communicate. And I've seen that same thing happen in a number of different emergencies where, you know, the, you know, the, the amateur radio volunteers were the ones that, you know, figured out that information, synthesized it, um, and then, you know, made the recommendations to, you know, the emergency managers to say, okay, this is, this is what you can do. And, and I've seen cases where, um, you know, because of those recommendations from HAMS, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in costs have been saved in an emergency and the communication has been much more effective. So I think, you know, that's something that oftentimes I think um, isn't recognized about us HAM volunteers is our, our ability to provide you know, really sound advice to emergency managers. Very true. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. You're most welcome.